Welcome to Marvel Maniac, an MCU after show. This is your host, Eric Cicada, a.k.a. Mr. Honest. We're back for another episode involving the god of thunder himself, Thor, and his second movie and his third appearance in the MCU. This is the Thor Dark World after show. This movie does a lot of world building, and it introduces a new Infinity Stone, the Reality Stone, uh, in this movie mostly referred to as the Ether like Iron Man 3, which we just covered, and the next movie we'll cover, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. This movie deals with the fallout of the Avengers and what toll that took on our main character, Thor, in this movie. And also, where did Loki end up after calling out uh, an entire war between New York and uh, Asgard and the Chitauri? It's a lot to follow up. And this movie does a really good job of getting deeper into these characters. that we already know and we've already come to love and gives them more depth and it gives the, all the relationships especially between Thor and his family and Loki and his family um, they're really built in this movie spoiler alert for everything that's happened in Thor's story through Thor Love and Thunder and everything in the MCU that's happened through phase four because we're going to touch on how that connects to this movie and kind of what later things happen in the MCU to make this movie stand a little bit stronger and hold a little bit more of a place in my heart. Uh, When I come back to watch it, it's very nostalgic because I did see this movie in theaters when it came out, as I did most of the MCU films. Directed by Alan Taylor and released on November 5th, 2013, Thor The Dark World starts off sort of like the first one did with a history and a narration from Odin explaining how thousands of years ago there were the dark elves and they pretty much came before the age of man and they ruled over darkness and once the light on humanity showed up in the world they wanted to turn it all to dark odin's father went to war with the dark elves and won and their leader malekith like went into this hibernation once he lost and i guess he would be only awakened when the ether slash the reality stone would come back into play and be awakened um and put be put back to use like throughout this whole movie malekith has some sort of an internal connection to the reality stone and there's like some sort of power he has like he's completely connected to it so like from the the reality stone goes back so early in time connected to the dark elves and its history almost like starts with the dark elves when odin's father won the war he decided to hide the reality stone aka the ether on earth and it wouldn't be found for thousands of years and who is the person to find the reality stone it's jane foster herself who in a later thor movie this is where my spoiler alert comes in uh she does get cancer and gets very sick and it's kind of a popular theory and it's kind of hard to watch this movie thinking that when she has the reality stone or the ether in her this might have been the start or the cause of her sickness and the reason she ends up dying in the end um and that's kind of a really heavy thought uh but i fully believe it because we know from avengers endgame that the infinity stones have gamma radiation um similar to you know what the hulk was exposed to to turn him into the hulk and this probably didn't sit well in jane's body after being in there for a couple of days even she housed housed an infinity stone in her body for however many days it was in this movie until malika takes it out of her towards the end um she's just sitting with it it like makes her pass out at times like she's like basically like this is what kind of shows her potential lady later on to become lady thor her like the power that she like 
she's able to hold an infinity stone like that power is in jane foster for a big portion of this movie and i'm not surprised that it takes a toll on her later it's just heartbreaking the movie starts off with the nine realms kind of in chaos because Lo what Loki did in Avengers kind of sent ripples throughout the galaxy. So the nine realms that Thor is supposed to protect are sort of in shambles because the Bifrost was broken after the original Thor. So there was no way for Thor to protect the nine realms for a certain amount of time, especially like during and when like the events of Avengers happened on Earth, it kind of was like a call to other realms that like chaos is going to start breaking out. So there's like these marauders that Thor's fighting in the beginning of the movie and it's kind of his like final fight um in that war that he's been having kind of off screen to bring the nine realms to peace um earth kind of being the first one with loki's attack and then the others um one of the nine realms is the dark world in which this movie is named after and that's the realm of the dark elves it's technically called Svartalheim, as they talk about in the extra features. I'm going to like advise any Super Marvel fans that have Disney+. Plus. Um, that's where most of us are watching nowadays, I'm guessing. If you go into the extra section of any Marvel movie on Disney+, Plus, they have deleted scenes, bonus content. If you like the assembled, the making of on Disney+, Plus for the newer shows and movies, you're going to love these special features. It's pretty much pretty much that for these movies uh, because we don't get the assembled making of thor dark world all of the special features are available on disney plus so i if, if you don't know about that i didn't and it's kind of been blowing my mind so i would go do that i would go check that out if you're interested so yeah we get a lot of action from the get-go of this movie seeing that war between odin's father and the dark elves and then going to kind of where thor is present day fighting in uh protecting the nine realms he's in one of the other realms um and he fights a big rock creature that kind of reminds me of Korg and I think he might be the same race as Korg if I'm not wrong um I could be wrong but uh <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's like a Korg and uh I if he's not he's a big rock creature similar to Korg and uh I kind of like really dig that uh we kind of get to see an early representation of his species and this this giant rock creature is totally the big bad of these uh, Marau this marauders army and Thor is fighting on the battlefield and then this thing steps out to Thor like he's gonna like they're gonna have a huge fight and Thor just like knocks him into bits and rocks in like one foul swoop so Thor is as powerful as ever in this movie um he's like anyone else and uh he has his companions from the first movie including sif who's one of my favorites i think she's awesome she's so badass uh sif has a lot of action in this movie maybe even more than the first movie we may get more sif in this movie than any other thor film also with the returns of fandral volstag and hogan thor's kind of entourage and they do help him escape uh asgard at one point in the film um but we'll get there because this movie i mean this movie there's a lot happening but at the same time it's kind of a simple straightforward story and at first i remember when the movie came out there was kind of like a, a, a like not the best reaction to it but i think thor movies age well um like i do i really do especially sitting in between the future installments of thor and in thor ragnarok or even the avengers infinity war storyline for thor into endgame um you look back at thor dark world as this really nice placeholder that really helps build these characters we get to see loki being walked into odin's throne room after his attack on new york against the avengers and he is 
kind of laughing it off loki but you know loki is being sent to a prison cell for the rest of his life by odin um odin pretty much tells him it was your right to die and um odin's pretty much broken off like his feelings or affection for loki uh, but you know we go into a bit of a theory at the end of this movie on how loki came to hold the throne for odin like basically between these two movies thor dark world and thor ragnarok loki continues to hold the throne but we don't really get to know exactly how he got it and it seems at first that it's something like that he did to odin and you don't know like did he like kill odin in secrecy or something um but it turns out that odin is just spending his time on earth uh so it actually seems that in this movie when loki goes to confront odin uh the last we see loki in the movie it, to disguise himself as a Asgardian guard and to tell him that uh, Loki's body is dead. He was like lying to Odin about him being dead. Um, it's my theory really that at that time, Odin, he says Loki um, when he's replying to the guard. And it seems like in that moment, Odin's assuming that Loki died. But in reality, what happened is Loki, like he knew it was Loki. And I think Odin actually gave the throne to loki um in secrecy and like the people wouldn't really accept that but after knowing what he did for his brother thor and and also knowing that thor isn't going to want to take the throne at this point because he's in love with jane foster and he's off doing stuff for the avengers um it's pretty much assumed by me uh me personally that that he odin gave loki the throne and decided to like retire on earth Maybe that's explored further in uh, Thor Ragnarok in a way that I missed or I don't remember exactly. However, it seems to me that Loki just sits sits his butt on the throne up until the events of Ragnarok. So Loki's like, it's, it was my right to be a king. And Odin says, you're right. It was your right to die. And he sends Loki to the prison cell. And this is when thor comes home and he's kind of like in having a big celebration with his companions about kind of bringing a temporary peace to the nine realms back on earth jane foster is on a blind date and it's not going super well for the guy who's like date on the date with her um he's he's doing his best to like keep jane's attention but jane is very distracted gets even more distracted when darcy lewis returns um for her second time in the mcu you know we later get to see her in wandavision um this is like i believe the last time we even get to see her before wandavision it's a huge gap in a character story and that type of continuity in the mcu is fantastic when we get characters jumping around from movie to show to you know one thing to another like in wandavision we get darcy and we get jimmy woo so we get someone from the ant-man and the wasp and we get someone from thor the thor franchise all like dealing with this in-universe issue um it's the stuff that like this is the groundwork for it right here um in these early phases a character like darcy lewis is a perfect example who will probably even get more of in the mcu going forward and different things i, I was like kind of surprised she didn't show up in thor love and thunder i don't believe we got to see her at all in that uh, because we probably just got to see her in wandavision and her path from jane kind of diverts i guess a little bit you know um by the time she's in wandavision she's doing something completely different um so anyway uh we we meet darcy kind of trying to get jane out of this date that she's on because she's getting like these crazy readings um similar to when thor landed in new mexico so this leads them along with darcy's like assistant who like she has like a it's kind of like a love interest for her in the movie i think that's all fair uh it's all it's all fun um that that's maybe like my least favorite aspect of the movie but like it's not even that bad like who cares like let darcy find love um i don't think it's like it's just a little distracting from the main story um and like it's almost like 
we only really need Darcy um, and Jane Foster and Eric Selvig again. We don't really need this uh, assistant of theirs, um, intern, sorry. He goes by the intern. Um, he, he's not really, like, needed, uh, but he's he's good comedic relief at times. And you know what? Let Darcy deserves to be in love, too, although I don't think this really lasts or, like, pans out for her in the long run. So um, it's kind of just, like, a side thing in this movie. So the thing that Thor's dad stopped the Dark Elves from doing was using the ether uh, when, at a specific time during convergence when all the nine realms align. And it happens once every like thousand something years. And this is happening again uh, where we are in the present timeline 2013 at this movie. Um, and this is kind of what's causing I think the reality stone to go crazy and it's causing like anomalies and sending out all these spikes of like you already see that it's giving off gamma radiation by the way in the beginning of the movie their their readings are going crazy for it even miles away from it um, and by the time Jane gets to it like there's these portals opening up all around the place and um, kind of like wormholes where they throw their car keys in and like it keeps well the car keys got lost actually um, but like, they th like they're throwing like pop cans and it's like going through like this dimension and popping out of another dimension so there's a lot of use of that in this movie thanks to the ether and jane foster ends up walking into a portal that leads to the house of the ether um, i'm assuming that like the ether was buried way below or something where from where they find it and like it just opens up a portal on the ground surface or something like that um, because like where jane foster finds it it's in like this deep dark cove um you know the way the portals work at the end of the movie it's not even super specific um but like the the portals that the ether causes in this movie that are like kind of that jane foster falls into and like later thor is fighting malekith at the end of the movie and they're going through these portals and it's leading them to the other realms so it's very possible that the ether was hidden maybe it was on earth but there's there's a chance that the ether was hidden like deep dark somewhere in one of the nine realms and it just opened up a portal on earth and like that was the beginning beginning of the convergence in which like eric selvig is like losing his mind over in this movie um by the way they do reach eric selvig and he, he his like his character in this movie is so good uh, i i really dig what they did with selvig because in avengers you know as you know uh eric selvig was mind controlled by loki nearly the whole movie and i mean he was like one if not the biggest victim of loki's mind control with another infinity stone the infinity stones and uh, the 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 toll it takes on the characters in the Thor franchise, um, the Thor franchise is deeply impacted by all of the Infinity Stones. Um, if I mean, if not most of them, um, I can't think of like the souls. I don't think the Soul Stone has anything to do with Thor. Um, God forbid Thor had to sacrifice someone else he loved for something. Um, you know, I think Thor would be willing to though um, sacrifice himself at least for the Soul Stone in Avengers Endgame. I think Thor would would be worthy to do that. Um, but they wanted to tell more stories to Thor, so it had to end up being Natasha Romanoff. Um, but sorry, going on an Infinity Stone tangent. Um, back to the Reality Stone, where Jane Foster just discovered it, and this is where Thor is talking to Heimdall, and he's kind of reminiscing about Jane. And as Heimdall is about to tell Thor that he watches Jane, he's, he tells Thor that he can't see her um so you know that's that's a good another good like point to maybe realize that the reality stone slash ether was being housed in some deep dark crevice in one of the nine realms and whenever jane walks off into that portal to it she's off world she's off world um so 
this is when Thor goes to look for Jane, and Jane actually exits the portal on her own. Um, and time passed differently in there. Like five hours went by, and she only proceeded as a few minutes. But Jane, you know, consumed the entire reality stone when she was in there, not on purpose. She she wasn't hungry for Infinity Stones. Um, she like just by misfortune, like this this happened to her. Um, so basically, Thor is his idea is to take her back to Asgard, which ends up being kind of the worst like worst decision actually for him um it doesn't this this decision does not help him um bringing the ether and jane to asgard um but this is like his first instinct and he brings her there and she gets to see asgard which is really cool we don't get to see a lot of people from earth go to asgard and jane gets to see it and she's definitely mesmerized by the place as am i we get a lot of asgard in this movie and we get to see it from a lot of different angles as Jane is being analyzed by Asgardian, what seem to be doctors, um, she's kind of schooling them. She's like, this is like a quantum like flux capacitor. I don't know exactly what she says. Um, and then she's like, no, this is like a spiritual engine. And uh, I'm saying all the wrong terminology here, but um, basically Jane is kind of reminding us that magic and science are the same thing like we learned in the first thor movie and she sees kind of everything from a scientific perspe perspective um which is a good see-through on jane's character i can definitely see why later that they gave jane a lot more power in the story in thor love and thunder um and i i kind of because she's like more of a damsel in distress in this movie um she's not really like fighting for herself and thor has to save her from this in inevitable doom when in thor love and thunder we get to meet jane again she's suffering and she's going to be her own hero opposed to thor having to come in and save the day she's fighting to stay alive and she's trying to figure out how to do that for herself so i kind of like that dynamic that we get from this movie to that movie i think this movie really does a big attempt at making Malekith have more depth and weight than your, you know, mustache twirling villain. And I think the history with the dark elves does a lot for that. Um, he doesn't have a lot of lines or a lot of dialogue and we kind of just get straightforward from Malekith what he wants. And it's to bring eternal darkness throughout everywhere, all the nine realms, um, and using the convergence to do that. So once Jane Foster gets the ether, he just immediately awakes from like a giant hibernation that he was in. Um, at one point Thor in the movie says this would have happened either way. Um, which is very possible, but I mean, if Jane Foster didn't come in contact with the reality stone, um, Malekith wouldn't have woken up or would Malekith have woken up because of the convergence um that's something that's kind of unclear but it it, it is seen it is perceived in the movie that he wakes up once the ether is awoke um by jane foster so uh he like i said he has some sort of connection with it in this movie he commands an army of dark elves which i don't know if all of them were in hibernation during the time he was or just lingering in the dark world waiting for him to kind of come back and like give them orders i'm, I'm guessing that's kind of it um the whole civilization is run by malekith and uh like there's not see there's not like so much information given to us um but you know he he has motivations and they're just pretty straightforward. He wants the darkness to fall upon all of the nine realms. And I think that makes for a good villain, uh, and an overarching story about brothers and family. Uh, and I think he kind of stands as a huge threat. Like he's basically like a Thanos level threat. Um, I mean, except it, like if this guy had all the infinity stones, I mean, imagine how devastating he would be. Um, just because he doesn't have like some of the personality and charm and ego that Thanos had. I mean, this guy does have an ego to be honest. Um, he's 
he's a pretty cocky uh, elf, uh, if I'm being honest. I like that Malekith uses his army uh, similar to Thanos does at the beginning of the movie when he's in the war with uh, Odin's father. Um, he kind of uses like all his... Like he does, like a raining fire thing, similar to Thanos does. Um, I mean, Malekith is no Thanos, but I'm surprised the Avengers like didn't get called in on this one. But everything was progressing so fast, um, that like in the story that like the Avengers wouldn't even have really had time to know what's going on. Like Tony Stark probably heard of what was going on, uh, like about the conversions and like a big port, another portal opening up in the sky. I mean, that would be something that maybe tony would like almost like not want to deal with at that point um but you know he was probably aware but he he wouldn't have time to get all the way to london um in a matter of like like 20 minutes and by the time thor comes in and saves the day um there's no need for the avengers a quick spoiler for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania it kind of reminds me of like you know, we're introduced to an infinity stone in this movie and it is like, we kind of get to see a little bit of its power, but it's not like every single like aspect of all the infinity stones. So we, we don't know everything yet, but like, this is like the first time we're hearing of infinity stones in the post credits of this movie. So Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania, it kind of reminds me of that in a sense where we're like meeting a piece of the Kangs, um, and just a piece of that puzzle. Um, and I'm assuming that like later we're going to get a lot more story to make that movie a bigger movie in the franchise, similar to Thor dark world, because we do visit this movie, Thor the dark world again, in Avengers Endgame, and this this movie is a big, like, the events of this movie are a big reason they can go back in time and take the Reality Stone. We don't even really see the Reality Stone ever again until Avengers Infinity War. Um, so this movie is a, it does a really great job of setting up the Reality Stone and the other Infinity Stones, as a matter of fact. One of Malekith's smartest decisions in the movie was to use one of his followers, Algar... Algrim, uh, and have him turn into this big wicked monster called Curse, and this is sort of something that like Algrim volunteered to do, um, and he gets stabbed by uh, Malekith and turns into this big like raging beast. Like he's he's not as big as the Hulk, but he's uh, <laughs> like you got to compare it to the other creatures in the MCU. Like he's no Hulk, but this this, this guy is raging and he's scary and he's darker than the Hulk. Uh, so this is what Malekith uses to get inside of asgard um we don't know how exactly but curse he turned algar turns into curse and curse gets taken into the asgardian prison and uh, loki sees him getting brought in and this is kind of where things start to go to crap really fast and he does something like after he was already stabbed by Malekith, Algrim slash Curse stabs himself and like hulks out even more in the cell of asgard uh allowing him to break out of the cell and start start wreaking havoc from the inside of Asgard. And at this exact moment, um, the Dark Elves start, they have this cloaking technology on their ships and they start to attack Asgard and Heimdall like sees it coming only like a glimpse before the ship arrives. And he does this really cool maneuver where he's running over the rainbow bridge and jumps onto one of the ships and takes it down only to reveal that there's like 10 more ships on their way. Um, Heimdall's so cool, but I mean, he wasn't enough to protect Asgard in this instance. The Dark Elves technology was beyond as the Asgardian detectors and um, Heimdall, the guardian of Asgard in a sense. Um, it's, it's a shame because I, you know that Heimdall like puts that on his own back, but it wasn't really his fault. Um, this is something they couldn't have predicted or could they have, um, I don't know. Maybe if Odin didn't like lie about the, did, did Odin lie or was Odin lied to? Um, that's not clear either. Did Odin lie about um, the ether being destroyed because they thought that 
Odin thought I think thought that it was destroyed, um, and maybe maybe his father didn't even tell him the truth um, about it being hidden somewhere because it's that that big of a temptation, um, and Odin immediately kind of knows what's going on with jane foster and he knows it's an infinity stone um and he's he pretty much doesn't know how to get it out of jane so like by the time that the dark elves start attacking um asgard because again something that i don't really get but i i guess it goes back to like the creation of the infinity stones like i think the dark elves maybe were the holders of it from the very beginning um Malekith has this like no, like kind of like how Thanos knows where the stones are in Avengers uh like Infinity War Malekith knows where the reality stone is at all times when the reality stone is awakened so he just knows to attack Asgard um when they're vulnerable and in terms in terms of like not even knowing that they were coming um they thought the Dark Elves were pretty much destroyed and vanquished but he went into a hibernation so this leads to an attack on Asgard, destroying so much of Asgard. Asgard is like ripped to pieces in this sequence. And Thor does a good job of kind of tearing it apart when he's escaping later. Um, but I mean, the place is already in shambles. So the Dark Elves attack Asgard, and there's kind of this war sequence happening. And then as um, Curse is breaking out of his cell, he approaches Loki, and he doesn't let Loki out of his cell. He lets all the prison other prisoners out of his cell, but not Loki. He could tell. They even t say it in the special uh, special features that um, he doesn't see good in Loki. This guy, I mean, and not like this bad guy doesn't see good in Loki. He, this bad guy, like knows Loki is no good. Um, but Loki one ups um, himself on being just the worst, and he directs the uh giant curse on where to go he says take the stairs to the left and this leads to the death of frigga thorn uh thorn loki's mom and odin's wife the queen of asgard she this is like one of the biggest deaths in the movie um and it's a big moment there's a big funeral afterwards and it's kind of a beautiful sequence with a really great soundtrack. Um, but her death is really hard on Thor and the minute it happens, Thor walks in and he can't protect her and he bashes Malekith in the face with a big old burst of lightning burning Malekith for the rest of the movie. Uh, once he walks in on his mom being literally murdered by him. So this is going to give Thor a huge reason to team up with someone he never thought he would again, his brother Loki, you know, Loki is, basically dead to thor similar to how you know odin is exiled loki thor you know he barely has a care for loki in the world after what he did to new york there were moments during the avengers where thor is trying just so desperately to stop loki from doing what he's doing and thor can't stop him um so to, for thor and loki to team up even loki says to thor when thor is coming to loki's cell um you must be really desperate to come to me and when Thor comes to see Loki, Loki is presenting himself, you know, how Loki can project, do projections. And Loki's presenting himself to be way more put together than he actually is. Um, he's broken up about the fact that he led his mom to die. And I don't think Loki assumed that would happen in all this. I think Loki thought he was probably giving his brother a big fight you know, maybe giving his brother a hell of a time uh, or giving Odin a hell of a time. But he, I think deep down, Loki knows that his family is capable of uh, protecting themselves. And when he sees the fact, like when he sees the fact that his mom died, uh, most likely because of him, I think he's ridden with guilt. 
the death of Frigga is most likely an absolute point in time in Loki's story. Because as we learn in Loki, the show, skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't, if you haven't seen Loki yet. Um, but in the show Loki, uh, we know that this moment when he finds out at the TVA that he caused his mom's death, he is completely awestricken by that. And the fact that he missed his mom's death, um, this is literally something that impacts him in this movie in that exact way um, without us seeing exactly as much of it. Um, so that kind of helps us get into his mind a little bit on how he feels about what he did to his mom. Loki Loki is about family and Loki does want vengeance on the Dark Elves. Uh, I believe Loki just always wants the throne and he would do anything for a throne. So um, by the end of the movie, when we see Loki on the throne, the fact that Odin might have even given it to him, which I'm not 100% on, but I believe I believe that happened. The fact that um, Loki is sitting on a throne by the end of this movie shows a huge stretch in character development for him. So after the Dark Elves attack Asgard, um, meanwhile, back on Earth, there's a lot happening like with Eric Selvig and Darcy. Um, I mean, I not so much really like Darcy is getting Eric Selvig out of a mental institution in which we see uh, our Stan Lee cameo. He asked for his shoes back because Eric Selvig's doing this huge demonstration on the nine realms and like quantum mechanics and like pretty much like discovering the multiverse in phase two uh, this early on, like on that chalkboard behind Eric Selvig. Um, he's going nuts, basically like having the mind stone control eric selvig's mind he's given this like crazy wins wisdom of the universe and it's too much for one man to contain so it drives him basically insane to where like he has to take his pants off when he's going into thinking mode which i really like um so to get uh back at the dark elves thor wants to go and bring jane to malekith in the dark world and have him extract the ether because they don't know how to do it and then once they once he extracts the ether he's going to take malekith out and uh odin doesn't agree with this so thor has to come up with a plan to break out of asgard because they've shut down the bifrost and the way that they're going to break out of asgard is through the ship that malekith literally crashed into odin's throne room and by the way when he does this he just completely obliterates odin's throne um asgard might have some really good repairmen or some technology that like builds structures really fast because by the end of the movie loki is sitting on the throne and the place seems pretty well reconstructed um so thor's plan is to steal this ship bring jane and loki upon it so he has to break loki out of prison and kind of break out of asgard uh without hurting anyone because you know the asgardians are his people um so this is kind of like the most heisty thing we get in this movie and uh it's one of my favorite sequences it's a really fun sequence for uh thor and loki um and it's unfortunately like another example of how jane is just exhausted like throughout all this action uh, when they're escaping in this elf ship this elf foreign ship that thor is flying um through like the waters of asgard we get so many great visuals of asgard um during the scene and uh, loki like trying to tell thor he, like how to like making fun of thor's ability to drive this thing um that's really funny um uh, but jane is like passing out during all this action meaning like her, her body it's taken the the infinity stone has taken a toll um that that is sad very prominently throughout this movie um through jane's actions she's she's getting eaten alive by this thing um which just makes the events of thor love and thunder uh, which seem like a movie that's lighter in tone um it deals with heavier things so i think 
the the world of Thor, uh, actually, that movie makes me like this movie more. Um, and that's what I love about the MCU in general, you know. So once they get to the Dark World through a portal that... See, Loki knows how to get to this portal. So it makes me wonder if like these these some of these portals just exist no matter what. Um, or that the converse the convergence is just causing these portals to like come come about and like random places like Loki's escape plan though led directly into a portal into the dark world and it did seem like it was his plan. Um, so that's something I'm a little unclear on, but it worked out for them and they're in the at the dark world which is filmed in Iceland. So the dark world has some really great ambience about it and it's filmed the fact that it's filmed on location on like volcanic ash uh, it, it's like very uh like jarring um it's a jarring view of the dark world like it's it's a different place we've never been it definitely feels like another realm and uh i really like that especially at the end of the movie uh when thor is fighting malekith and like going in that world and back to ours and into other realms um it's a really cool fight sequence that's not far from this point of discussion of which we're at right now um basically thor and loki trick the dark elves into thinking that they're fighting um and like we even get to see thor's hand cut off by loki when he's uh having mjolnir come to him uh and i mean at, at first you're thinking man loki he's really doing a good job at deceiving in this movie um but it's all part of a plan to trick the dark elves so loki pretends to give jane foster up to malekith and he believes what's going on and he takes jane and like puts her into the air like telepathically and like extracts the reality stone out of her. And after this happens or while this is happening, Jane is like having a vision of the eternal darkness that Malekith is trying to make happen through the convergence. So Jane is kind of like bestowed with his knowledge on maybe how to stop it from happening with her science at the end of the movie. And this is the moment where Thor and Loki, uh, Thor tells Loki now, and he Thor actually tries the lightning uh, strike with it with Mjolnir the uh, the ether, and this turns it into a bunch of shards. It, it doesn't like the Infinity Stones are so strong, which is a, a testament to how much it took out of Thanos to destroy to destroy these stones later in time. Um, the fact that like Thor cannot destroy this thing no matter what, even by the end of this movie, at the end of this final fight, um, Thor can't destroy it so basically thor attempts to destroy it but malekith takes in the ether and tries and successfully escapes the dark world um to go carry on his assault on the nine realms and in this moment thor and uh that big angry monster guy curse are fighting each other and loki is taking out a ton of dark elves loki is definitely wingmanning it and um after that like guys that him and thor put together their plan um you can only trust loki um you can only trust him as far as you can uh, put your hand out right um uh, anyway thor and loki um take out most of these dark elves but uh loki realizes that thor is getting his ass kicked by the curse the giant hulking uh dark elf monster and this guy is like laying into thor he's beating and blooding thor maybe the, maybe even more than thor ever gets in this entire movie and loki uh like literally stabs him in the back with a store a sword and he curse takes loki and puts him on the sword with him and impales loki so it looks like loki is completely dead and we assume loki to die um but while loki is on top of curse he ignites a grenade on him and completely this this monster self implodes and 
giant orange light. It's a it's visually stunning. Um, and he's like, see you in hell, monster. Uh, one of my favorite Loki moments. Um, so Thor loses Loki, and this breaks Thor. Like Thor just lost his mom, and now he lost his brother. So going into the final act of this movie, Thor has got like some vengeance against the Dark Elves. So after Loki dies, Thor and Jane appear to be stuck on the Dark World until Jane gets a phone call from her date at the beginning of the movie, um, realizing she has cell phone reception, and that helps them realize that there is a portal directly to uh, the place where Jane started off and found the Reality Stone. Um, and she finds the car keys that were dropped into the portal. So conveniently, they have a ride out of there. Um, so they go to visit Darcy and Eric Selvig along with the intern. And uh, Thor and Jane and co. D- devise a plan. They need to know where the convergence is happening so they can beat the Dark Elves to it. And apparently, like the Stonehenge ancient monuments, um, we even see Thor knock them over in the What If episode for Thor. Um, this, the, this thing, along with other ancient monuments around the world they culminate into the spot of the convergence so like this happened thousands of years ago so the ancient civilizations put a road map as to where this would happen actually on a regular map which i think is a really cool detail um so they figure that out just in time like the convergence is happening literally in the next scene so they basically just make it to greenwich london uh the the spot of the convergence and it it, it makes sense because this is kind of where all the paranormal portals have been opening up and whatnot so team science, as I'll call them in this movie, uh, Jane, Eric, Darcy, and the intern, um, their job at the end is to put up these poles that kind of, I don't know if they're like activating the portals, but they're used as weapons against the Dark Elves. And it's, it seems like they're like making these portal things go crazy so they can like send the Dark Elves in all these which way directions when uh, Thor is fighting them. And this fight between the Dark Elves and Thor is pretty epic. I mean, this... This city of Greenwich, London, is completely destroyed in the ma- in like the making of this fight, and um, you you can only imagine what effects it'll have on the world of the MCU. And I know that it's explored in the show Agents of Shield. Um, that like the season, like I think it might be the first season of Agents of Shield is happening uh, at the events of Thor: Dark World, and. When that when that happens, there's an actual episode where they have to deal with like the fallout and the devastation that that caused. Um, it also happens in the after effect of Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which you can imagine on a show, Agents of Shield. If you remember the twist in Winter Soldier, um, spoiler alert: Shield is Hydra, um, and it's been oper- Hydra has been operating in the dark all this time. Um, it's going to take a big toll on that show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We may talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point um, in our run of our podcast. I mean, there's a lot of other things I want to get to before that. However, I know it's a really good show. I saw a lot of it as it was kind of coming out, um, and I binge-watched a chunk of it once on Netflix. I never finished it, though. So um, what do you think? Should I cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? MarvelManiacPod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. So in this final fight between Thor and Malekith, there's portals opening up everywhere, and the fight takes place all across London. Um, this the ship that Malekith lands in London like destroys like the city block that they land on, and Dark Elves are starting to take over. So it's kind of a scary sight. It, it reminds you a little bit of the first Avengers, and it's like you're think you're thinking it's like an Avengers level threat, um, but Thor is able to like handle this one on his own with Team Science, um, and these poles that they're putting up kind of scattering the Dark Elves. They're not really much without Malekith. 
Malekith's goal in this is to get to the center of the convergence and activate the ether and bring darkness upon all of humanity and life um, so the Dark Elves can thrive in that. Um, so by the end of the fight, Malekith is doing just that and Thor is handed off by Jane um, these poles that he throws at Malekith and um, it kind of rips Malekith apart in the end. Like the very final moments of this fight are taking place in like a sea of red, reality stone red, and Thor jabs this giant like science science pole into Malekith and Jane teleports Malekith off world after Thor like electrifies it into him uh, for one last time, leaving the giant ship that Malekith arrived in like hovering um, ready to topple over um, on top of Thor. Like Thor is down and Jane runs towards Thor and um, you completely think they're going to be crushed, but the ship portals out of our reality um, and into another realm, the dark the dark world, on top of Malekith and takes Malekith out. Um, I, I would worry a little bit if I were Thor, maybe if, if Malekith was still out there, but I'm sure he went um, through some precaution to figure out that Malekith was taken out by the giant ship in the dark world. Um, after everything that the Dark Elves put Thor through, you would imagine that Thor would like probably double-check and make sure Malekith was done for. We learn later, like in Thor Love and Thunder, that Jane and Thor do have like a relationship and Thor comes back for Jane. But we do leave Jane in this movie with Team Science to kind of talking about what had happened in the events of this movie and um, kind of wondering if Thor will come back to her. And it takes so long to know that he did, really. Um, it's kind of like sad to leave her at this point, like especially knowing what happens to her. Um, I care a lot. You care a lot about Jane. I care a lot about her as a character. Um, since she goes so far back in the MCU, um, you know, the fact that she ends up becoming Thor herself later, which we'll talk plenty about when we cover Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I, I might just be going like in somewhat of an MCU cinematic order from this point on. Um, I missed a couple of things in phase four. You know, I started covering Marvel in phase four with WandaVision and covered most of the titles going forward. Um, I had a bit of an off period where I missed a couple of things. Um, so if you're really desperate to hear some of that phase four stuff I missed before I go through kind of these older movies, which I mean, stand up in time. The sacred timeline is flourishing with amazing things to talk about. Uh, so if you'd prefer me to like talk about multiverse of madness, uh, way ahead of Avengers age of Ultron, for example, email me Marvel maniac pod at gmail.com. I love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. And Hey, one email can make a big difference on the way this podcast goes, uh, because I'm really listening to your input. So, uh, a little bit off topic, but I mean, we're at, we're gearing towards the end of this, uh, movie, you know, we've kind of rounded up everything that's happened. Um, Thor returns to Odin, who was actually, loki um and thor lets odin know aka loki that loki made a huge sacrifice so um he doesn't really want to rule you know odin's trying to give he presents himself like loki totally knows that thor isn't gonna take the throne um but he's telling thor the throne is his now as king what are you gonna do next and thor pretty much tells odin um i'm not ready to be a king you know i want to be with jane uh i want to you know fight on earth with the avengers so much he doesn't say that exactly but that's pretty much what he's getting at he wants to protect the nine realms he's down for that but he's not really ready or even willing to be a king personally for me thor is really a king ever since he becomes worthy of millionaire again at the beginning of thor um at the end of thor sorry i think thor is completely worthy meaning when he is worthy he is worthy of being a king as well just because he doesn't choose to sit on the throne like odin um i mean he's out there literally fighting to save the universe instead of sitting on a throne 
Um, so I, I think Thor is completely like king material. Uh, he just doesn't want to technically have the name uh, because he's been humbled throughout his journey through the MCU up to this point. Uh, and I mean, he's about to get a lot more humbled after Ragnarok and um, the next two Avengers, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, he, man, Thor goes through maybe the most of any character in the MCU. Loki is revealed to be on the throne as Odin, and we went over that a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Odin gave the throne to Loki. I don't think Loki like intimidated Odin to leave. It's just not very like Odin. I think Odin would have been ready to step down maybe once he saw his son was worthy at least of protecting the throne um in his own right because he was he was willing to work with his brother kind of what odin would have wanted all along for his sons the post credit scene of this movie is sif fandral volstag and hogan all of thor's crew um they're bringing the reality stone to the collector um who we will again meet in this phase in guardians of the galaxy in my last episode for iron man 3 i was talking about how um we're going to go over the movies in this phase and i didn't bring up the guardians of the galaxy i actually missed them as a part of this phase um because it's like the guardians of the galaxy is its own movie um that culminates into infinity war but like it's kind of like starting that story similar to this movie kind of starts the story of the infinity stones even though like in the avengers even as far back as captain america the first avenger we're getting glimpses of the infinity stones we don't really know for sure that they're the infinity stones um we kind of start piecing together after the post credit scene of this movie well where are the other infinity stones um and the, the collector's like, why are you giving me an infinity stone? And um, one of Thor's crew is saying, basically, it's not wise to have two infinity stones. And they were, that's the first time they use infinity stones um, in one place. And the collector is like, pretty much like, twirling his mustache and i don't know why like i don't know why they're trusting the collector with this um the collector must have built a reputation and a positive one in asgard um him being kind of a personable guy uh you you kind of wonder why they'd bring it to him first but maybe it's better to have in the hands of someone so somebody can't just take it uh like thanos ends up doing um kind of we, by the time we get to the Infinity Stone, the Reality Stone in Avengers Infinity War, Thanos has completely decimated the area in which uh, the Collector houses all of his collections. Um, so I think that's a really cool aspect to have it this early on. Um, and then later in the Guardians of the Galaxy, we know that the Collector has the Reality Stone. Um, and then he's like the last thing he says in this post credit scene is one down, five to go. So the Collector, we know from the What If series how potentially uh, horrible and evil the Collector can be and grow. The fact that we know he's trying to actually collect the Infinity Stones and for whatever purpose that might be um, kind of goes to show that the Collector probably has a bigger story in the MCU even going forward. Like they're planting seeds in this movie for especially like right now in that post credit scene with the collector like they're planting seeds for things that are like still yet to come in the mcu and we know the collector and the grandmaster are connected in one way or another i don't know if they're brothers or their cousins but um they're from like the same people um so that's going to be really interesting to dwell into now that the infinity stones are technically gone or are they can the infinity stones be reformed uh thor dark world <laughs> back to thor dark world instead of the greater picture of things um thor dark world is kind of like a movie that the rest of the mcu kind of like sits on and needs to grow in the infinity saga um thor dark world was a ride and it gave us a 
deeper look into some of our favorite characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, being Thor, Loki, Jane Foster, and even Eric Selvig and Darcy Lewis. Uh, the enemy Malekith, he like wasn't as one-dimensional of a villain as I as I've kind of heard reviewed when the movie came out. Um, I think he's just a fine villain for Thor and Loki to come together to fight and to set the stages for later films in the MCU. Um, could he? Could Malekith have been a little bit more of like uh, Thanos? Yeah, maybe they could have written it that way. Um, but I think this movie was really trying to explore the relationships between Thor, Loki, and what a loss in the family would do to those two, and how those two react to losing someone they love. And I, I think that the movie does a wonderful job of it. Um, it also gives us a lot of Thor and Jane. Anyone who loves that relationship uh, as much as I do, you know, it's good to see Thor and Jane back together, and kind of some hints and. Uh, teases as to what's to come for Jane and Thor Love and Thunder and Thor Ragnarok where we get a lot of follow-up to what happened with Loki after he took the throne so we know what Loki does but we'll talk about that when we get to that movie uh, this has been a wonderful review in my opinion and I love looking back at movies that I've seen already for this podcast and talking about them with you and sharing my love for the MCU and um, I, I kind of like talking about it from the perspective of someone who's seen everything and then going back and seeing kind of where it fits in the bigger picture um, as someone who's been like along for the ride of the MCU like in theaters like a lot of you might be um, I think it's like a way more fun way to explore these movies as if like I, I'd rather do that than like come in here and pretend like I haven't seen it and um, like react like pretend react to it <laughs> like it's more fun to just talk about like everything else that's happened because it makes like those things paint this universe and that's why i think we're all fans of the mcu so thank you for being here today on marvel maniac and mcu after show this is your host eric cicada aka mr honest make sure to follow us on social medias where we've been posting a lot more on marvel maniac pod tiktok twitter and instagram also on youtube marvel maniac pod we've been uploading all of our podcasts there and shorts we're also patreon.com slash Marvel Maniac. I haven't put bonus content up in quite a bit. Uh, however, I will start uploading regularly in the near future to that Patreon. So join us. A positive review on the show goes a long way. Wherever you're listening, make sure to rate us and give us a positive review. And until next time, Avengers, disassemble. <laughs>